people shouting the same letters. Life is tough, man. Well, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I uh, don't want to disappoint listeners out there, but there won't be any tributes down here for Jesse Helms. Aww. Aww. What a <laughs> special guy. Now, he uh, will go down in history as one of the most uh, despicable senators in American history, in my opinion. Um, the New York Times obituary, obviously, um, which I failed to bring in, but... Um, at one point, I mean, you know, obviously he had some good qualities. He, he was probably a, a likable guy in some charming sort of way. I think the word that they used was impish. <laughs> it's... Uh, he looked like a demagogue, uh, and he was a demagogue. And he was wrong on most of the issues that he made a stand on. But obviously, and he was fortunate, he, he became a senator, by the way, on the coattails of Richard Nixon's landslide in, in 72, uh, 1972. Yeah. So politics is sometimes about timing. Um, and he was sort of a blocking fullback for Ronald Reagan <laughs> in many ways. Um, he, of course, made an early stand on the Panama Canal Treaty. And there's an interesting new book out uh, by, I believe, a former sort of major editor of the New York Times called Adam Clymer that I haven't read yet, but it's about the significance of the Panama Canal Treaty debate uh, in the 76-77 uh, um, time frame that ushered in uh, your friend and mine, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> but uh, I remember becoming acquainted with Jesse Holmes in high school as, as a person. Uh, I grew up in Appalachia, Ohio, and Jesse Holmes used to rant and rave about the school lunch program as being communism. And I just thought that this man is deranged. Um, now he's being called principled. <laughs> Which either tells you how badly things have gotten. Right. Or how dim and hazy recollection gets with time. Yeah. And I lived in a part of the country where, you know, my hometown was because it was a college town, was relatively affluent, but uh, the neighboring towns and hamlets, and there were plenty of them. I hate to inform Jesse Helms of this, but uh, that school lunch that those children got was probably the best meal they had every day. And unfortunately, the statistics show that poverty in America uh, sort of... Uh, you know, reached its low its low point in the mid-70s. And it was actually the conservative uh, backlash against things like school lunch programs that, uh, as Jesse Helms, you know, characterized it, it, was part of the international communist conspiracy. I mean, this is just Looney Ben's stuff. And uh, he was an ugly man. I mean, in many, many ways. <laughs> Uh, he didn't hesitate to play race cards. Um, he obstructed quite a lot of perfectly qualified people to work in the State Department on really petty issues. Um, he even was a thorn, oddly enough, in the side of Reagan at times, um, because I remembered that he was a 
untiring supporter of Renamo in Mozambique, mm -hmm. that uh, even the Reagan administration wouldn't support those terrorists. But uh, he did a lot of bad stuff throughout his career. And uh, quite frankly, I can't think of one good thing he ever did. And we'll give him a brain damage award just for opposing the Martin Luther King national holiday. Well, and for being a steadfast opponent to the entire civil rights movement. Of course. I mean, categorically. He categorized Martin Luther King as a communist, which, of course, Naturally. was something that J. Edgar Hoover never could quite prove or come up with the merchandise on as much as he tried. Well, of course, they did have some audio tapes on Martin Luther King that didn't prove communism. Uh, but uh, And he had some wonderfully unsound ideas about AIDS, and uh, I just wish I hadn't forgotten the New York Times obituary because of that rather remarkable quote that he had about Vietnam War protesters, which boggles the, uh, oh, well, the mind. You'll have to bring that one in for next week, of course. Uh, I, I'll offer a brain damage award, too, to former North Carolina GOP uh, Representative Bill Coby, who said on the passing of uh, Jesse Helms, who, by the way, if uh, you listen to Eugene Chadbourne, who's from the great state of North Carolina, he has a lot to say about State Senator Jesse Helms. Uh, Bill Coby said this, it's just incredible that he would die on July 4th, the same day of the Declaration of Independence, and the same day that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams died. And he certainly is a patriot in the mold of those great men. Jesse Helms doesn't even belong in the same page yeah. as those two men. No, by he the belongs way, with Joe McCarthy, yeah. uh, Wary, um, Noland, um, and current senator from Oklahoma, James Inhofe, who is definitely the biggest uh, idiot in the United States Senate <laughs> at this time. Well, uh, I'll get to my favorite Jesse Helms moment in just a second, but I do want to close with this. This is coming from Whitney Woodward's Associated Press article. Quoting from Kerry Hain, a professor at Duke University, who noted that uh, Jesse Helms will be remembered for the strong racist streak that articulated his politics and almost all of his political campaigns. And uh, Hain, no, Haney noted that Helms, unlike George Wallace and Strom Thurmond, Helms never repented such tactics. And you remember that uh, even Lee Atwater on his deathbed felt the pang of remorse, and said, you know, I did a lot of awful racist things, and I'm deeply sorry for it. Maybe Jesse Helms never figured it out, or maybe he just didn't care, but he never did recant. My favorite Jesse Helms moment is that as a doddering geezer, when he rose to the top of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, he referred to the Korean president as Kim Jong the Third. I L L Kim Jong Il. It might look like Kim yeah. Jong the Third, but uh, that was probably a little bit of an embarrassing moment for his staff. Well, he died of dementia, and uh, I think most of his Senate career was probably demented as well. Uh, of course, he was praised in his passing for being um, particularly assiduous at what's known as constituency services. Mm. Uh, I'm sure that he was good at that. Uh, there are effective, shall we say, senators and congressmen who are adept at constituency services that 
provide a uh, basis for getting reelected. Um, but, well, you know, all, all of the appointments that were unnecessarily blocked. And, of course, it was interesting that he became chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee uh, because there was a big debate when uh, the Republicans took over control of the Senate uh, in the late... Uh, in the in the mid '90s, as to whether he would occupy that position, um, since Richard Luger apparently had more seniority, but Luger, in a strange uh, fit of uh, deference to Jesse, decided that he wanted to head up the Agriculture Committee uh, because agriculture is important to the state of Indiana. And uh, look for earmark uh, footprints all over agriculture bills, as we've seen during the 1990s, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if John McCain becomes president, which I, I doubt, but you never know, um, <clears throat> whether he goes after those uh, subsidies in Indiana. Yeah. Richard Luger is adept at constituency services as well. <laughs> and, of course, the big uh, debate at the time was whether or not uh, Arlen Specter would... Uh, <laughs> get control of the Judiciary Committee, because apparently Helms, I think as I seem to recall, he switched committees to get on to the Foreign Relations Committee, because he'd been on agriculture all those years. Of course, he was a big supporter of tobacco subsidies. It's good for America. One of his many legacies. And apparently he was a pretty regular smoker of them lucky strikes. <laughs> Um, we don't miss Jesse Holmes. Uh, he was not a great public servant. Um, he was a demagogue uh, in, the, in the tradition of some of the people we've mentioned. And, yeah, I think that it is noteworthy that he, unlike George Wallace, did not repent. And I think that thinking of George Wallace and Jesse Holmes simultaneously is a good way of thinking of them. Jesse Holmes was sort of George Wallace with some national significance because uh, I think that unfortunately one of his tragic le legacies will be that he was a he was a blocking back for much of Ronald Reagan's uh, demented agenda <laughs> dementia raises its ugly head again they died together as they lived in the halls of dementia well uh, plenty of uh, oh yeah another uh, brain damage award uh, to give out uh, to Clear Channel. Congratulations to Clear Channel for giving Rush Limbaugh a $400 million contract. Uh, I failed to bring in this little item, but I vaguely remember that Limbaugh said he would, quote, keep working until everyone in America agrees with me, unquote. <laughs> I thought, well, I'm never going to agree with you, Rush, so you better keep working. Well, that sounds like it could even be a threat. <laughs> but I, I seriously think his influence is waning. I do, too. Uh, that's a bizarre uh, salary to uh, offer the man. I think his greatest impact was in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and ever since then, he's been just a sort of a another angry, noisy voice on the right. Um, his television show was canceled. Uh, the man has a face for radio, as the old saying goes. Uh, I actually would occasionally watch his TV show just to see what was going on with it. And he reminded me of nothing so much as an angry toddler pounding away on the tray of a high chair, uh, the way he worked his desk. Um, but, uh, you know, 
the man probably uh, seems like a bad investment to me. Needs to pay off some Oxycontin debts yeah. or uh, some legal fees. So I'm sure he'll have good use for the money. But uh, that's a bizarre uh, contract to offer. Yeah, and, and of course it's it's uh, promoted and foisted on the public, quote unquote, by Clear Channel, a very evil multimedia corporation that's gobbled up an extraordinary percentage of uh, radio stations in America, which crushing allows, local programs. Yeah, which allows this sort of endless propaganda and myth uh, promulgating that uh, Rush Limbaugh promotes. Um, Rush, you're a big fat idiot. Um, that's a book I think by Al Franken, yeah. who interestingly is running for the Senate. Uh, he won the nomination in Minnesota several weeks ago. Be interesting to see if uh, he gets in there and can. What was that stunt that he pulled a couple couple of years ago, where he he called in the mental health department with some straight jackets to oh right <laughs> arrest a few of the congressmen, which is of course where some of them belong. Yep. Um. So yeah, brain damage award to Clear Channel, and I unfortunately. Don't have my Clear Channel uh, stuff either, but uh, it, it's remarkable how they gobbled up so many radio stations um, in the last decade or so, uh, thanks largely to uh, many of the FCC rules that were, shall we say, eased up by uh, Michael Powell. Colin Powell's son. Son of Colin. <laughs> Another recurrent theme from the Reaganoids. Cousin of... <laughs> Rectum. <laughs> um, yeah. He wrecked them radio stations. He wrecked them radio stations. And, uh, well, Clear Channel. Uh, yeah, it would be very interesting to see if there, in this upcoming election, uh, if there is a profound realignment, uh, what happens to Rush Limbaugh? Look for those ratings to go down. Indeed. But he uh, has those ever-reliable ditto heads. Unfortunately, like the rest of 90% of America, they're running out of money, too. Indeed. And they're getting stuck in traffic and paying for the gas that burns up while they sit there, just like the rest of us. But meanwhile, they're going to have a robust debate about energy policy. And uh, I did catch one of those John McCain commercials this weekend, by the way. I think it might have been when I was watching Wimbledon, which, by the way, maybe the greatest tennis match of all time. Yeah, it's that's what people are saying. Just, uh, I don't know, if you can see a replay of that, it's, it, it's worth it, even if you're not a tennis fan. Um, that was brilliant uh, drama between two uh, Rivals, sports rivals, not uh, enemies. And it would be nice if uh, maybe tennis matches were used as a model for uh, political negotiations about the future of America's energy problems, for instance. Um, but yeah, John McCain gets a brain damage award. He's obviously not, quote, affiliated with this group, but uh, these TV ads that I saw extolling his balanced energy policies... Uh, that he's promoted remarkable disinformation. And this is one of these quasi-527s that are mm. out there. Uh, they've apparently bought up uh, $3 million in TV advertising that they're running in 
a number of key swing states, including Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And uh, it's rather unfortunate that John McCain uh, hasn't said anything about this. But uh, Well, even regarding energy policy, what has he really said on that subject besides we should do more domestic drilling? Which was a flip-flop in right. his particular case. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just frightening stuff. Uh, because, obviously, the, the energy problem is a little complicated. I found it interesting. I, I unfortunately, as I said, uh, failed to bring in my, most of my the substance of what I was going to talk about this evening. But found it interesting that... Um, when gasoline first went over $4 a gallon in the spring, late spring, oil was trading at $102 a barrel. Um, it's now, and it went down a little bit today, and obviously it will vacillate back and forth, but there seem to be some very disingenuous debates occurring about the, the, the global supply of oil and why these oil prices are actually high. We, we did a little thing a couple of weeks ago, I, at least I did, uh, reviewing some of the reasons, and they are multifaceted. But in recent weeks, the two things that the media simply do not talk about in connection with these high oil prices are uh, the invasion of Iraq by George Bush and the repeated saber-rattling by the government of Israel, i.e., uh, Likud members, Likud uh, members of the Israeli government, and George Bush against Iran. And this has contributed to this uh, recent spike um, that's considerable when you examine it in percentage uh, terms. And it's actually ironic that gas is only uh, at 425 mm. a barrel. Apparently, today's Wall Street Journal uh, has a prediction that... Uh, $200 a barrel oil is not too far away. So while uh, George Bush wants to, apparent, and John McCain for that matter, uh, want to drill off the coast of Florida. Florida for oil, which doesn't strike me as particularly profitable. Uh, who knows? Um, it seems that other Methods and, and, and ideas are necessary. One of the most interesting things that I did read over the weekend was that it was actually Newt Gingrich and the Republicans in Congress back in 1995 that passed a law prohibiting uh, cafe standards to be raised on vehicles. This, of course, when oil prices were cheaper, mm -hmm. um, Auto companies were making quite a lot of money off SUVs and large pickups. And we've seen just in the last week incredible plummets in uh, the sales of these uh, types of vehicles by all companies. Yeah, they can't give them away. Including Toyota. Um, Honda seems to be the only company not yet affected. But when you start hearing about General Motors running out of money by 2009, massive layoffs... Plant closings, I mean, this is just the beginning. Um, and I think the thing that you'll see with respect to the American economy that's quite alarming and not too surprising will be the slow collapse of retail 
uh, by the by the end of uh, of this this coming year. I think a lot of companies are going to tread water, as the saying goes, until Christmas. But I think after Christmas of uh, this year, you will see massive layoffs in the retail sector. They're already starting to occur. This uh, suburban sprawl um, concept of you know retail stores every <laughs> ten miles or uh-huh. whatever in in urban areas is uh, no longer viable. Well, you can see it right here in town. I mean, very high downtown rents, uh, number of buildings that are empty, remaining empty. There's all sorts of chat about development projects. Uh, The Kroger's out on Packers. Everything is uh, left there. Uh, And now it turns that it's in foreclosure. Uh, There's massive... uh, tax debts there and so it's going to be auctioned off by the sheriff at the end of july well what happens to all those people who work at that store maybe they'll get a position at another store maybe not right um this is uh something that uh, you've sort of the whiff has been in the air for a while and uh that's when things are really going to as they say come home to roost yeah and i heard a retail expert uh point out that as he put it you know you think that this subprime housing crisis, which is still just beginning to be felt. Um, The banks have written down roughly $350 billion already since this crisis was announced last year publicly. Uh, Needless to say, the New York Times, by the way, was covering this problem uh, for the last three years. If you go back and check the history, uh, Floyd Norris, uh, for one, was a uh, particular particularly prescient about the uh, real estate bubble that was being created by Alan Greenspan, uh, in which George Bush's re-election in 2004 was assisted by uh, incredibly cheap money to build lots of houses that didn't need building. Anyway, this retail expert talked about the coming uh, collapse in the commercial real estate business that I've just mentioned, because I would predict here that we will see an incredible decline in uh, retail jobs over the next year and a half, and that whoever becomes president will be inheriting deep doo-doo. Yeah, in fact, speaking of deep doo-doo, a sort of a segue forwards and backwards here. Uh, back in the uh, early 90s, I had a friend who... Uh, uh, Guy I'd known all my life uh, who decided to join the Army. He was a little on the old side for that, but despite our best efforts, we couldn't talk him out of it. His experiences uh, nonetheless proved to be interesting to me once he'd finished his two years in duty and some of the interesting things he uh, had experienced uh, and told me about. One of which was in the buildup to the 92 presidential election, uh, the drill sergeant, Mexican-American uh, uh, drill sergeant who said uh, to them in casual conversation one day, I'm not going to tell you guys how to vote or anything, but y'all better make sure that you register to vote and, you know, uh, absentee voting for your home district and so forth. He said, I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but uh, you, you know that if you don't want to go over to the Middle East again, you know who not to vote for. <laughs> and uh, that's all I'm going to say. And, well, it was pretty clear uh, mm-hmm. what what the sentiment was there. Uh, deep doo-doo man, Bush number one. Uh, it's quite interesting that uh, Obama's planning a little field trip to Iraq. 
and uh, McCain is going to Mexico. Well, and he just returned from Colombia, which... Yeah. I mean, the, his trip to South America bordered on the bizarre. <laughs> it's definitely in the realm of the bizarre. I mean, Colombia is a very weird place, and that's something that receives very little media attention, is how much money we spend in Colombia. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's billions of dollars on... Uh, I believe the statistics are after Israel and Egypt, Colombia is the third largest recipient of military aid. But now that has probably been supplanted by Pakistan. Yeah. But that gives you an idea. And what's going on? Well, nobody really knows. But uh... A civil war in which an estimated 500,000 people have died. Colombia, by the way, is an enormously big place. It's, yeah. If you look out on the map, it's staggering how big it is. And, of course, it's been in the news because of this dramatic... Hostage release yeah, uh, rescue. That sound, you know, the media was all goo-goo-gaga over it because it, it sounded like a Mission Impossible kind right. of operation. A fascinating. I, 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 I in no way, shape, or, or form, you know, condone kidnapping. I think, I think that the rescue is incredibly good news, but it sort of masks the real problems that are going on there. And one would think that if you were going to South America on a trip, you'd go to Brazil. That's an up-and-coming power. Um, well, and there's a lot of uh, commentary in the Financial Times. That, economic power. Yeah, economic yeah. powerhouse. But that, not, not military. Economic no, power, yeah. No, that this ongoing G8 meeting, so-called G8 meeting in uh, Hokkaido, Japan, that uh, Brazil, India, and China uh, deserve a seat at that table because mm -hmm. of their economic clout. Um, and in years to come, that'll likely occur. Some are saying Canada should be ejected. I don't know about that. Canada's got number two uh, on the list of oil reserves. Why Italy's in the G8 is a little confusing to me. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love Italy. It's people and culture. But uh, banking powerhouse, perhaps. Economic powerhouse. Knows how to design shoes. Oh, shoes are important. Is impeccable. Yeah, <laughs> shoes are important in this world. But I think China and India and yes, even Brazil uh, outrank Italy in economic clout. And by the way, you you can always count on the fact that people are going to need to buy shoes, recession or no recession. This the, is true. The shoe business will survive because those of us that are walking <laughs> wear them out. Yeah, and actually more of us may be walking, yes. uh, including bicycling. I guess we import uh, a large number of bicycles from China as well. Uh, we used to make them here, but this is another one of the ways in which uh, capitalism uh, ever seeking profits as it does. That uh, it's, it's too bad that McCain didn't do a Ronald Reagan Central American 1980s reunion tour. Yeah. <laughs> El Salvador, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Honduras. Right. All the hit spots. All the all the places where it was real fun to be alive while America pursued the the the, the well, the war on drugs, the war on terror. Reagan had a variety of well, expressions. Well, the war on working people essentially <laughs> is what it was. The, the war on people. <laughs> they never used that that phrase. Uh, after all, Soylent Green are people, but right should have been the war on Soylent Green, perhaps. But uh, yeah, I don't know. McCain has been doing some very odd things lately. Um, well, the latest uh, poll says that the word most frequently used to describe McCain by the average American citizen is old. Yeah. Which is polite. Right. I think insane might be uh, maybe second or third on the list. But uh, well, why he keeps appearing... At campaign stops and 
in a baseball cap and sunglasses just escaped me. I mean, he looks like, I don't know, somebody that's been put out the pasture on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Yeah. You know, that's goes to... Where's my golf cart? Where's my keys? <laughs> Play the ponies <laughs> and sip mint juleps on the side. I mean... Man, Foghorn Leghorn, and maybe that's who John McCain should pick for his running mate. (laughs) Appeal to those Southern conservatives. Foghorn Leghorn. I say, boy. I say, say we need the the Jesse Holmes vote. Man, oh, man. Yeah. Obama uh... would pick Bugs Bunny. I'm convinced of that if he was going to go for a Looney Tunes character. Bugs is cool. Well, Bugs knows how to play the scene. Uh, he's a smart guy with an eye on the door. He knows how to play the field. <laughs> yeah, Foghorn Leghorn. He's got a a little rascally, a little rascally element in his character. Yeah, he's always looking for that edge up on everybody. But he's got an entrepreneurial spirit, and boy, John McCain. I don't know his his campaign is certainly in disarray. I would say a little bit. Dude, well, you got to get rid of the ball cap and the the, the sunglasses. <laughs> I I don't get it. I I really don't understand that one. Yeah, I'm not sure of the uh, l- wide exposure that his wife is receiving in the media is I think going to have limited effect. Um, the less said about her, the better. Yeah, but so she might become very wealthy if the old InBev uh, oh this takeover. Cool. Tactic works. Anyway. Well, you have to wonder, too, what the religious right, you know, are they going to show up to vote at all? Uh, no. She's from a brewing fortune, and, of course, uh, that's probably not going to uh, sit well with them. Uh, I'll perish the thought that I would uh, discourage anyone from going out to vote, but it seems likely that a, a number of right-wing religious voters might just opt out. Of this uh, particular year. Unless, of course, Foghorn Leghorn is on the ticket. (laughs) This might be the best chance they've got. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Well, we always have the reliable Harper's Index, and I'll just throw out one interesting statistic. Minimum number of U.S. Army generals fired or replaced for cause during World War II, 23. Number during Iraq and Afghanistan, one. (laughs) And, of course, uh, unfortunately, we saw today in in, uh, Kabul uh, the worst terrorist bombing since uh, our aerial campaign and occupation of Afghanistan uh, since 2001. And it does seem that uh, George Bush, yet again, doesn't seem to have enough troops on the ground uh, in the right place at the right time. It was a large bomb, suicide bombing in Pakistan, too, in Islamabad yeah. over the weekend. So uh... Very troubling stuff that's, that's still simmering at the surface. And... Uh, very, very disturbing. And George Bush is he's sort of well, yeah. This G eight thing is going to be sort of interesting. Uh, I I heard a comment by the uh, new uh, president, quote unquote, of Russia, Dmitry Medvedev. Yeah, w- where he makes the interesting comment that uh, 
the United States is, quote, in a depression and has no business lecturing people globally on, you know, how things should be run. Um, that is a real slap in the face, and I don't know if Bush will look him in the eye. And go 